Hello, I am Anika Orock, author of The Incredible Women of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, and you are listening to the fabulous Baseball and Barbecue Podcast with Jeff and Len. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musics Podcast, and you're listening to Jeff and Len on Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts, and I know it's one of yours, too. The only problem is, after I get done listening to it, I'm hungry. All right, guys, take it away. Welcome to episode number 62 of Baseball and Barbecue. I am Leonard Aberman, and I am here with my incredibly talented co-host, Jeff Cohen. Thank you very much, Len. And hopefully you enjoyed that flashback in time to the year 1986. Jeff, why did we flash back to 1986? Well, Len, you know, we make no bones about it. We are Met fans. And tonight we have with us a championship player from that 1986 team, Ed Hearn. He was the backup catcher to Gary Carter. But Ed Hearn has an incredible story to tell. He went from the penthouse to the outhouse and back, as he likes to say. His story is, is so uplifting and so meaningful that it's everybody should listen to it yeah if you don't get something from his story and if you don't feel something after listening to his story then i i don't know what would make you feel anything because it's just what what a story what a great guy and He, he went through you know people say you go through hell he went through hell I mean, he was on the top of the world winning the 1986 World Series, traded to the Royals as to become their everyday catcher, and then gets hurt, has cancer, has sleep apnea. apnea. He has other thing, other. He had three kidney transplant transplants, and he comes back, and now he's a motivational speaker, or an inspirational speaker, as he likes to say. Right. He, uh, his story is amazing. Not only is he an inspirational speaker, but he's an award-winning inspirational speaker. That he is. And again, you will be inspired when you hear this story. We're so glad, so very glad that he came on with us. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. And then after that, I will tell you this. We, of course, you know that we like to, it's baseball and barbecue. We do have some listeners who join us and maybe they join us just for the baseball and some join us just for the barbecue talk because the Ed Hearn interview might be a little longer, which is certainly great, but we wanted to get some barbecue talk on. We have Kyle Halverson and Martin Earl from Thermoworks, but what we had to do was make it a two-parter. So at the, after the Ed Hearn interview, uh, you'll hear us again. 
And we'll, of course, interview their interview. We'll introduce their interview, and then we'll do the second part on our next episode, which will, of course, be episode 63. Is that a good way to do it, Jeff? That's perfect. You said it very well, then. So then with that, why don't we get to the Ed Hearn interview? Baseball and Barbecue is pleased to have with us tonight Ed Hearn. I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs from your book, Conquering Life's Curves. The forward is by George Brett, and it goes like this. To Ed Hearn, Conquering Life's Curves is more than just a title of the book. He has courageously battled curves that would make hitting off Nolan Ryan seem like a breeze. I know I have seen the impact of both. A February 7, 27, 1995, Sports Illustrated cover story about the misadventures of the dead-end kids, Dwight Gooden and Dallas Strawberry described the 1986 Mets as a portable party driven by alcohol, amphetamines, gambling, and drugs. Clean living catcher Gary Carter was depicted as part, being part of the team's underwhelming minority, a group that also included Hearn, Carter's backup catcher at the plate. What has happened to Dwight, Darrell, and Ed since those days is a perfect example of why people should never judge a player completely on his on-field performance. A syndicated columnist Irma Bombeck once wrote, do not confuse fame with success. Madonna is one, Helen Keller is another. Gooden and Strawberry certainly went on to more fame than Hearn in baseball, but after seeing the road each has traveled, there's no question in my mind which one has found the true meaning of success. Ed has taken some of the worst knockdown pitches the game of life has had to offer and has persevered. Anyone who has faced great challenges of any kind will find his story uplifting. It's as inspirational as anything, I've ever counted in or out of baseball. Those are great words by, by George Brett. Well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate you reading some of those words, Jeff. It's, uh, thanks for having me on the show, guys. You know, coming from George Brett, those words mean a lot to me, of course. It went back when the book was written, it was 1995. Kind of the funny thing about it was um, uh, I had a list of about four or five people that I wanted to ask to do my forward, and I'm not a very good asker. So I'm up in the Royals front offices one day, and there's George, and he was on my list. So I said, hey, George, hey, listen, would you mind writing a book, uh, writing a forward for my book? He said, you're writing a book about what? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know, well, so hence I don't ask anybody anything anymore. He he locked (laughs) me up for for years now. I just, you know, but... Uh, I will dare to say that, that that book has probably touched more people's lives than any book George Brett's ever been involved in. I'm and sure I'm not afraid to say that on Facebook or wherever we're at on Zoom. But I'm here sure on that baseball and barbecue. Being... I know you guys got like three million followers, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Sure. I'm sure George <laughs> is glued to his seat waiting for this interview. So, But there you go, George. Sorry to say. <laughs> that, that book is going to be relevant for, for many, many years. This is it's just your, your life story is just amazing, uh, and uh, we'd really like to get into that. You started off in baseball. Actually, you were given a – you had an appointment at West Point. Is that true? Yeah, sure. I had uh, – I was fourth in my class of 600 and some, the 3.96 or something, and had I, three or four Ivy League schools, and really those all were for football. And I just decided, you know, I was drafted high enough by the Phillies in the fourth round and decided I had, uh, you know, done this classic thing for a while. and. I, I felt like it, I would always go back to it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I turned down to West Point, and that, that ruffled a few feathers. 
<laughs> back in my hometown and, and uh, yeah, so, but I did and, you know, I went, I went on one of my football vis- uh, visits to West Point. What a beautiful campus. Oh, yeah. But I saw too many of the, the plebes getting <laughs> pushed around, pushed <laughs> around and uh, I was raised by fairly strict parents, so I figured it was time for a break from that action. Well, Ed, you, you were some football player and uh, you were quarterback. If you had gone to West Point, so two questions here. One, if you had gone to West Point, would you have played on any of the teams, the football team especially? And two, how close was it that you were between West Point and baseball? Was there any point where you thought maybe you were leaning more towards West Point? Well, those two good questions, probably more better than you even realize. Uh, would I played any sports there? Certainly. I mean, I was being recruited there for football and probably would have probably walked on maybe the baseball program. But the uh, in regards to how close, you know, by my sophomore year in high school, there were 12 to 15 scouts at every ball game in my games. But my senior year, there was 20. But the problem was for the first half of the season, which – Unlike most people up in New York, Minnesota, and those northern states, we only played 30 games a year in high school. They think we play year-round baseball in Florida, but that's not true. But I started out the first half of the season, I was hitting about, oh, 95. And that ain't, I don't mean I-95 up and down the East Coast. I mean zero nine five batting average. The scouts disappeared fairly quickly. It was amazing. But one guy stuck with me, Andy Simonek, the catcher for the Wiz Kids, back in you know, the 50s when they won the World Series. Bow-legged Andy, God bless him. What a beautiful man. Finally, what happened to me, I was told the worst thing I think a hitter can ever be told by the worst person to ever tell it to you. My mom said, you ought to go get your eyes checked. <laughs> and she was right. I had battled a, um, a bad infection between my junior and senior year before my football. And they found that that, that virus had damaged my kidneys and apparently he had done something to the, uh, my eyes, and it caused astigmatism. And I didn't realize it until baseball came around, until my mom said that crazy thing like, you had to get your eyes checked. It's really bad. <laughs> like, I know, Mom. Okay, great. You know, that's when you know it's time to quit when Mom says, you had to get your eyes checked. You know, your head really stinks. But I, I did. I got glasses. And, you know, I hit 600 rest season. That's fine. But, you know, I'll never forget one day playing in Stewart, Florida against our rivals, Martin County. And I went up to the plate just before I got the glasses. Andy Simonek was the only scout in the stands. I struck out three for three. My first three, on the third time, Andy proceeded to get up and walk toward his car. He passed my mom and dad, and he looked down and said to my mom, my God, Mrs. Hearn, that kid has an awesome swing. (laughs) My mom liked to fell out of her seat, like, awesome. Oh, you haven't seen anything, Andy, really, you know, and, and he used to tell me, please don't go to those tryouts, those invitational tryouts, which I was still getting. And I, I would show up, and I met him in the parking lot. I remember the Reds one. And he said, Eddie, I told you, please don't. <laughs> you know, the Phillies are going to take you in the top five rounds. And then I said, Andy, you know, everybody, nobody saw me. He said, well, son, I've been watching you for three years, and I know what's going to happen. I know what you got. So, so hence, um, yeah, I, how close – was I to go on to West Point. I had those I had a pair of those black patent leather shoes. The lace up black ones that you wear like to a wedding. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I had me a pair to go to West Point in. 
That's how we went. It got. We went to a, a game at West Point. Uh, yeah. It was a football game, and one of the cadets came over and was talking to us and talked about the shoes and everything. But the whole football game, the cadets they do not sit. Right. The whole game they they stand. Everyone's like looking at. Don't they ever sit? No, <laughs> they don't sit. Well, for you exactly. people up there in Jetsland, this is Kansas City Chiefs country, boys. <laughs> Just want you all to see that real clearly. Yep. And if you get the honor someday to come and, and visit the Kansas City Chiefs playing a game, if you want to watch the game, you will stand the whole game really? as well. Unless you're <laughs> sitting in the family section right behind the Chiefs bench. Yes, sir. So if you come to Kansas City, and if you come to Kansas City on top of the kitchen, see the Chiefs, you get to come see some good barbecue, baby. Oh, Real, yes. true I, barbecue. Now, you guys, I don't know, list. y'all had 60 episodes. I don't know if you had anybody on from Kansas City. If yeah. you haven't, you guys don't know the scoop yet. Uh-huh. I mean, you know what y'all are talking about here. I hope you're experts on, you know, y'all can see in my background back here. Yeah. I, I put up my hospital gown there on, on my buck, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's an honor you guys. And you know what? That is sticking out about here, right? That's the opposite of burnt ends. <laughs> Those are white ends sticking out of that hospital gown. <laughs> I wish my butt still looked that good. <laughs> Ed, but we, you we, have a, a New York connection, don't you? Your wife is from Long Island, where we are located. Huh? Oh, gentlemen, um, I have more than a connection. I, have, uh, I wouldn't be alive today. Yeah, I met uh, met this young lady late in the season. I wouldn't be here today. We've been married 32 years. She's my nurse, my wife, my child's mother. Yeah, she's a neonatal ICU nurse at North Shore University Hospital. Randy Neiman was trying to set me up with her late in the season when his wife was giving birth at the hospital. And we're standing there in batting practice in the outfield. And he said, Ed, you got to come meet this nurse. My my wife is, oh, she just, they they just chat all the time, and this girl is tall, lanky. She doesn't, she doesn't talk like a New Yorker. She's beautiful, light brown, blondish hair, tall, lanky. I can't tell she got any boobs, though. They wear them scrubs, you know. But anyway, <laughs> he said, man, you got to come up and pretend like you're seeing my, my kid and meet this girl, this nurse. And I said, Randy, man, them New York chicks are too fast for this Florida boy. And I said, I ain't coming. I don't, I'm waiting until I get back to the south down in Florida where I grew up where the Southern Bells are a little slower. Well, about five days later, Ray Knight was having the last um, cystic fibrosis foundation dinner there at Chase Stadium for luncheon. And he had asked the guys at the clubhouse, somebody to come because he had promised to bring a couple friends. You know how that goes. Sure. Yeah. Everybody, you know, by the end of the season, nobody wanted to go to the stadium at 12 o'clock for a, for a luncheon and be there all day for an eight o'clock game. I turned him down because I was doing something in Queens, giving out some Lily trophies. I said, Ray, I can't be there, man. And I lockered right near Ray. And, I, you know, I could just see the guy was, you know, he made a promise to bring somebody. And so the next day at 1230, I got uh, back to the park earlier than I thought. I had a big decision. Do I go upstairs, spend the rest of the day at the park, be there for Ray? And those parents, some children, you know, the parents had to pound on the back of their child to get the phlegm loose so they can survive life expectancy of 18 at the time. Mm-hmm. Where I go back to my apartment and catch a New York Deli sub on the way home, very big Jersey tomatoes, and take a nap, watch a little soap opera, and come back. I made a good decision. I went upstairs and I walked in the back of the room just as Ray had been introduced, and 
he, his eyes lit up. He said, hey, there's, there, I told you somebody was coming. You know, when you don't bring friends and, you know, you know how that feeling is. Well, not for you famous guys, but. Uh, <laughs> so Ray's eyes lit up and he introduced me. And I was kind of shy back then. And I sat down. The first chair came to. And within like three minutes, there was a girl I had sat down next to. Her name was Kristen. She was six years old and she had cystic fibrosis. She was on my lap and just chewing my ear. You know, God seems to give kids with health challenges. They just, they, he, he just kind of lets them grow up so fast. And it's like this girl was flirting with me or something. She was a little tiny thing. And when the luncheon ended, her mom sitting next on the other side of her and her dad, her mom, Judy, slides over an old game stuff and said, would you sign this? I, you know, I said, hey, yeah, sure. That's what we do. You know, no problem. And as I began to sign it, she said, well, when you write it to, to somebody, I think you know this girl, Trisha. I'm like, yeah, how's that going? You know, the cocky ball player. Sure, babe. Yeah, I'll sign whoever you want now. Yeah, yeah. And she said, I said, well, how do I know this girl? And he said, well, she's a nurse at the hospital where I work, and your teammate Randy was trying to set you up with her from what I'm told. I mean, what are the chances that happened in, in you know, a place like New York City? Sure. Because it so, was fate. Um, Cupid, man, he plucked the perfect shot. Mm -hmm. So I didn't listen to the woman because you know how women are about setting up other women, the lies they tell about each other, you know? Uh, so I asked her husband, I said, hey, you know this girl? He said, not as well as I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that New York Long Island girl was going to backhand it, that dude. And so um, I may be a little slow Southern boy, but, uh, you know, I got the courage to invite that Long Island gal to lunch the next two or three days later and if you had told me back when i was a teenager in my young 20s that i was going to marry a new yorker a florida southern boy i'd have said you're 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 nuts <laughs> but thank god uh, yeah she has been uh, i do have a connection in new york actually i have lots of connections i love you know uh, for a southern boy i really like new york people because mm -hmm. well, they like us you know, oh I, yeah the 86 guys you know yeah, both Glenn mm -hmm. and I are, are Mets fans, and, you know, you were the backup catches for uh, Gary Carter on our team, beloved team. Tell us about the experiences. Let's talk a little baseball. How were your experiences in that, that year? I know it, it took you a while to get to the majors. You finally made it. You, uh, your first game, you were, what, two for three against, I think, the Dodgers, if I'm mistaken? Yeah, Bob Welch. Uh -huh. Okay. And, you know, so how was that experience coming up in 1986 with the Mets? <laughs> Man, it was, you know. Like you, like you said, I, it took me eight and a half years. I probably shouldn't have made it. I had a lot of injuries early on in my minor league career. I went from a, a prospect to a suspect with the Phillies. My first minor league year, I was a co-MVP with Ryan Sandberg in Helena, Montana. And then this year and a half after that. But, you know, 86 was really, really special. That's kind of like talking, preaching to the choir, isn't it? Uh, mm -hmm. Me saying that. But, it, you know, being a rookie in the major league anywhere, anytime, on the worst team in the game is great. Sure. But in New York, you know, Sinatra said it best. You can make it New York. You can make it. And and if you're doing well, it's great. If you're doing bad, ooh, it can be ugly. Only well, short that, of maybe Philly and Boston for ugly. <laughs> but, you know, I had um, I came up in early May. They were going to plan on swapping me and Barry back and forth. And we didn't know that. Barry broke with the team. Then I was called from May. And. You know, I was hitting 330 or something most of the year and ended up after I caught for Gary uh, in August there for, you know, 14 days. And we went like 11 and three. 
then I go back to catching once a week, I, I kind of tailed off pretty good. It was, I enjoyed it. I love playing every day. But, you know, being on that cast of characters, like that Sports Illustrated quote said, it was just phenomenal. I mean, you know, when I was talking to George about writing forward, and, and I told him about that quote, and he goes, I should say that in the forward? And I said, well, George, it's only half true. I mean, the other half is even worse. <laughs> you know, it was just crazy. But when you're winning in anything in life, the rough stuff gets swept under the rug. Sure. Whether right. it's business life or whatever, you know, uh, it's just, you know, when things are going good, they're going good. You know, my first game, I, I had, you know, game of the week in Los Angeles. So we flew in late. And, you know, of course, Gary's on, on, on the rocking chair just kicking back. And the rookie's in there. And, uh, you know, I was just so nervous that game. And it, it turned out great. Some fun things. I could talk to you all night about what it was like playing with the 86 Mets. Uh, but, you know, my first game at Shea, it was my third game as a Met. We lost like 15 to 6 to somebody, the Giants or the Pirates, and Ronnie Darling had a tough game, and I was catching it Sunday. And, you know, people don't come to see Ed Hearn play, you know, in, in May. On a Sunday, they, they come to see Gary Carter. Well, I made a couple errors that game. By my third at-bat, I was booed by about 35,000 people. You know, there was probably 40 there, but all but five of them maybe. <laughs> and I can literally remember, guys – Walking in toward that batter's box, and a picture of an ostrich came to my mind. And if I could dig a hole and stick my head in like an ostrich does, I'd be really happy right now. <laughs> but, you know, after the game, you know, the New York media, there's nothing like it. And after the game, you know, we lost 15 to 6. I mean, it was a blowout. There was like 15 guys around my locker. Whoa. <laughs> Hello. Hi, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, what can you tell us, Ed? You know, you made a couple of errors. You guys lost big. And I said, well, listen, guys, you know what? I mean, I thought quick. I'm not – I made it easy for me to say now. But back then, I was like, oh, shoot, what do I tell these people? But you know what I said? I said, you know what? I hope these aren't the last two errors I make in the big leagues. Very You know what? I'm a human being. I'm going to make them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I fessed up. We talked for 10 or 15 minutes, like, and uh, I didn't look for excuses or anything. And, you know, the media never – Never threw me under the bus. And the fans, likewise. A couple weeks later, I hit my first home run on Father's Day. My parents were in the stands. The grounds crew guys re retrieved the ball, traded, you know, probably a Gary Carter, Keith Hernandez bat for an Ed Hearn ball to get the ball back. So I, <laughs> I got the ball after the game. And I was able to give that to my, my dad after the game. That's nice. And it, That's you know, nice. it just don't get any better than that. Right. And, you know, you go into August, Gary hurts his thumb. I don't, I don't know which of the three major papers it was, but I can see the headline now. Worst thing can happen to Mets. Carter goes down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, well, uh, you know, I told the media then. I said, hey, look, I can't fill Gary Carter's shoes. I, I'm, not, I'm not. I can't be Gary Carter. Right. I'm going to be Ed Hearn. This is my team now, and I remember that, and they brought it up to me later on, too. I said, this is my team for the next two weeks. And that's the attitude you got to take, and that's what a catcher's got to do. And I, I, did, I just said, hey, we're going to take it on, and we'll talk in a couple of weeks. And by golly, you know, after those two weeks, I heard later on after the season, I heard that Gary Carter blamed those two weeks for not getting the MVP. <laughs> okay, so i got to shake my head about that. My son's named after Gary Carter, Cody Carter he? Hearn. Uh -huh. So I, I had a big respect for Gary, but, you know – as you guys know, some people didn't care for Gary for certain reasons. Um, yeah. But to me, Gary was a mentor. 
and uh, he's somebody I looked up to uh, in my rookie season. We used to have in my our former house, we had three jerseys hung on the wall. One of mine that said, in quotes, on a gold plaque, daddies. And then we had a, then we had a Johnny Bench one. And it said, daddy's hero, daddy's idol, one of the two. <laughs> and then we had a Gary Carter, and it said, daddy's mentor. Nice. So it, I, I wish I had a picture up to show you guys, but it was really cool. And, but, you know, and then, and then our son gets cancer eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I find out like two days before he's declared in remission that Gary passed. Oh. You know, uh, the New York press is calling me and I'm like, why are you calling me? I'm, I'm nobody. I'm just dead. I really didn't want to talk about it because my son would, was going through chemotherapy at that time himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I spoke to one guy and. I forget who it was, but they said, cheering up, Ed said, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and ironically, I was on, on my way home from Mayo Clinic after, you know, getting checked for my health. I had, mm-hmm. had to go up for a check for a health checkup. So. so what happened with the Mets? It was just a glorious time, man. It was a fabulous year. The memories are phenomenal. I wish somebody would send me a video from the, the day, day we clinched the National League East against the Cubs, where the people, the fans just devoured the field. And I know there's film of me out there on the field pretending like I'm hitting out of sand traps uh-huh. and these big divots that the fans tore out of the field. <laughs> I mean, I had, had, I had a couple cocktails in the clubhouse before I came out to play the, the Shea course. And it uh-huh. uh, seemed like every shot I was hitting, I don't know why I was out of one of those divots. So, uh, but, you know, the, the playoffs against the Astros, come on. I mean, and the, and the Mets hadn't won in so many years, right? Mm, right. I mean, this, the, you guys, you Mets fans, and I know I'm not speaking to everybody in New York, but they were thirsty, starving. Oh, yeah. And so we're in the playoffs, and, you know, we're, we got to beat Mike Scott. We go 16 innings so we don't have to face Scott, mm-hmm. who yeah. I guarantee he was cheating, and I'm the one who found the balls, the evidence that he was cheating with the scuffs during the playoffs, and we sent him to the office in Major League Baseball. And, you know, just like the game is today, Major League Baseball front office screws things up, and they yeah. wouldn't do it. I mean, we sent them 36 balls. We we'll scuffed the same, well, same spot on the ball, each one of them. Oh, they must hit the backstop in the same spot. Oh, okay. <laughs> so then we go into the World Series. We're down three games to two. It's game six. The champagne's on ice in the Red Sox locker room. I had a good view of the game. <laughs> Still got the same splinter because I wouldn't move because we started to rally. I had a view of the people behind home plate because I was kind of facing down the dugout toward the, you know, Davey and them guys. And then behind that was the home the home team on the left, Mets, and then Red Sox. And, you know, the Mets people's side looked like it was a funeral. And the Red Sox, Red Sox wives, they were just, party on, baby, you know, and Two strikes, two outs, the three, four hitters. And, you know, and it started to happen. And then, you know, the wild pitch ties the game. Everybody forgets about that one. This tie game, we ain't going to lose at that point. I'm promising you that. And then the ground ball, you know, and then it rains the next day. Oh, my goodness. Really? You know, give the Red Sox a chance to recover somewhat. But, and again, we had to come back game seven, and we win it. You know, it's hard to describe. There's so many stories. I'm sitting here trying to pick between them stories. Uh, one of my favorite memories, guys, was the next day. 
the ride from Shea to the Lower Manhattan Business District on the buses with, there must have been nobody on the highway. And, and I just can't imagine that. I mean, can you guys, I mean, now maybe, in co, you know, this COVID-19, yeah, okay, but I mean nobody. Right. But on the entrance ramps where guys and gals, let's go Mets. You can read the list. Let's go Mets. <laughs> From the rafters, construction guys, 30 stories up. Yeah, oh, my God, look at those guys. They're all going, let's go Mets. I mean, I, I got oh, I got chills right now, just <laughs> goosebumps, rubbing oh, up. Oh, I, yeah. It's just that's one of my favorite memories. Was that 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 uh, the ride, the parade, was fantastic. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's just that ride just blew me away. Um, we got started in parade route. Parade route. I think the mayor, somebody giving us cigars. You know, big old stogies. And I don't smoke, but I brought mine to the parade. And we got, get started. Me and Sid Fernandez are riding one them convertibles, and I fired that stogie up, and I don't smoke, and about. Four puffs into that thing, I oh jeez, I took it out of my mouth and before I choked it dead, I threw it over my shoulder out of the corner of my eyes. I said, turned around and there was like a dozen and a half New Yorkers diving over the police barricades on their hands and knees, racing after my quarter <laughs> smoked cigar. <laughs> I mean, well, that's better than like you know. Can you ever dream of having like your own baseball card? Yeah. But what about having? 18 fans crawling on their hands and knees, probably getting strawberries on them knees on that pavement and fighting for for my half-smoked cigar. Well, you can't even dream that sort of dream, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and I'm not talking about people. These were New Yorkers. These were <laughs> the different. They were crazy. They were crazy. It's great. I recently saw a clip of you of the 30th anniversary, you coming out to – a crowd uh, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Mets winning the 86 World Series. That crowd gave you such an ovation. Could you describe that? Red carpet, the trophy right there behind second base, coming down that red carpet toward the, the trophy, the fans. You know, after 30 years, it chokes me up a little, quite honestly. You know, my, my, my career didn't go as I had planned. You know, right. stuff got in the way. Yep. But, you know, I, I, I couldn't trade that for anything. And to go back 30 years later, and I hope we do it again and again, the way the fans – I mean, I can't go to New York and, 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 and people just love on us. That, even Yankees fans, believe it or not, they, th they think us 86 Mets are pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And so it's just – it's a great thing, and um, it's been fun. It's been all these years and nobody else has won yet. Right. That is right. You know, so, uh, you know, I get to go to fantasy camp and, you know, two weeks before spring training or guys pay a few grand, dress up in uniforms and be, be Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling and Ed Hurd and Gary Carter, 120 of them a week. And we get out there and coach them. They play games. And these are the, these are just some of the most, obsessed people, Mets fans in the world. And to be a part of that is just, you know, it's, it's, it's a fantasy for me. I, you know, I'm sure not all the coaches, coaching staff or pro staff, they call us down there are, you know, maybe it's, it's probably not a big deal to, to some of them, but uh, even for us guys, I mean, they bring guys down there that aren't big leaguers. 
you know, people that'll uh, make these guys feel good. And we open ourselves up to them. We have a night where Howie Rose comes down, and we, it's called a bowl, bowl session. Bowl session and barbecue. Mm-hmm. Dudes, you guys got to show up at Fantasy Camp and do a show. <laughs> Fantasy <laughs> Camp on, on, I think it's Tuesday night, both weeks. It's called Bowl and Barbecue. <laughs> and so Howie comes down. Anyway, I'll get back to the baseball. And um, yeah, you guys should come down. You should come down and cook. There you go. Although those people do a good job. I'm telling I'm you. I'm sure they even do. Too, for, even for a Kansas City guy. You know, <laughs> I know, we know our barbecue out here, boys. So um, Howie, wrote, Howie comes down and he emcees this thing. And before we start every every session, he says, okay, folks, listen, we're going to have a, have a bull session here. What we do is we allow you guys to ask anything you want. And these guys, for the most part, are going to, they they tell you things that you ain't never heard before, but you got to turn off your cameras, your recorders, your video player tapes, because th- what's said here stays here. And these guys get some tremendous stories, and I've learned some things actually <laughs> at uh, the whole session. It's fun when you're hanging out with guys you used to play with thirty years ago, and and then you got 120 guys just loving on you for for two straight weeks. It's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Ed, you mentioned your son. He's doing well now, though, right? He's in remission. You know, he's in remission. He's been in remission after, you know, fast, hard bout of chemo. But the effects of the chemo, you know, the the cure has been worse maybe than the the illness. And uh, he's got, to this day, he's still fighting, uh, you know, issues, uh, spinal tap headaches. Mm. When they put chemo in the spinal column, he has headaches almost every day. He, he developed celiac disease. He developed mm-hmm. a, another condition called hypogammaglobulinemia that I have and have had pretty much my whole life. And, uh, you know, he has to take an IV once a month. It's about eight, ten thousand bucks. Mine is. I don't, his is more than me. He gets more than I do. So he came down with a lot of stuff. And, yeah. you know, so it's it's been hard. Um, I'm sorry. No, nah, you know, hey, you know, I didn't write Conquering Life's Curse for nothing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we're all going to face stuff in life, and you don't you don't have to sorry me about life. I, you know, it's yeah. difficult. I appreciate the empathy, but who knows what the plan is for him? You know, certainly my plan was not to get hurt after I had to had got traded in a perfect situation to the Kansas City Royals after that great year, my second year in the big leagues. I'm people are wanting me to be their starting catcher to handle a pitching staff like the Royals right. had. He yeah. just won the World Series in 85. Saberhagen, Kubasov, Buddy Black. I mean, it was the perfect setup for Ed Hearn. Hmm. And that goes down. But, you know, you know, I battled to come back from that major reconstructive surgery. I was traded for that guy named David Cohn. You know, so Who's I, that I, guy? I made some yeah. people happy, right? <laughs> yeah. and, I, I don't uh, know this Cone you speak of. <laughs> what, what's that? You don't know the Cone I speak of? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know David Cohn. Who is he? Yeah. yeah, I don't either. No, but you know what? I'll put my life up against his any day. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't care. You know, baseball is not the end. Right. Right. Um, you know, and, and baseball is not in the Mets and the World Series and the ring and all that stuff is not the most even close to the most important things that I've done in my life. Right. The best thing. Well, let's 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 forward to that. Then. Yes. Um, yeah. Here's so on. your you your playing career ends, and unfortunately you had to have kidney transplant and I, whatever you want to talk about as far as that goes, we leave up to you, but after baseball. 
Yeah, but don't be sad. Don't be sad about it because, listen, okay. uh, you know, as I said, this certainly wasn't my plan, but I believe in, in a creator that has a plan for each of our lives. And uh, my life, I believe um, I got to taste that ring. I got to be a part of that. That ring in the World Series gave me some cred that when I got sick and I came back, it gave me some cred. The people wanted to hear my story. And right. the last 20, since 1994, I've been, I've been speaking all over the country. Yeah. Corporations, associations, at schools, not many schools, but churches. And I wrote the one book. You, you were know, on Oprah. You were yeah, on we were Oprah. Yeah, we on Oprah, for right. goodness sakes. Yeah, how about that? We're yeah, on we're on Oprah. We're on Oprah. So, yeah, we're on Oprah. That she was, had that the book. Cool. And, yeah, you <laughs> watch my, my – my, your folks need to go to my YouTube channel and watch some videos of me speaking, my – my speaking demo channel, and there's some clips of us on the Oprah Winfrey Show. But, you know, guys, a lot of people have said things about, you know, Jackie Robinson, Martin Luther King, JFK, things like uh, your life is measured not by what you have, by what, but what you've done mm-hmm. for others. And you know what? I think, I think my life is measuring up pretty darn good right now. It's a little struggle right now. I'm not speaking as much as I'd like to because – you know, I, I did have three kidney transplants and IV treatments I've been getting since 92, sleep with a breathing machine every night. I've had 40-plus cancers cut off of me, skin cancers. But it's give, it gave me the opportunity where people were interested in this. You know, I could have titled the book, the, From the Penthouse to the Outhouse and Back. Right. <laughs> also, those medications also had some side effects of depression. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you're right, Jeff. Um, you know, I had the first transplant in, in uh, May of 1992, and by October of the following year, the side effects of those medications vary tremendously. Uh, immunosuppressive meds from, uh, and they hit different people differently. Uh, like uh, some of the ones that got me were growing hair in the wrong places. I, mean, I can grow chest hairs about six inches long. I know y'all, your your barbecue fans probably didn't need to hear that, but, anyway, but <laughs> now I won't get invited to any barbecue parties. Damn! <laughs> but one of the one of the side effects that got me was mood swings and depression, and I spiraled down by the fall of 1983 to a to a very dark place, and I actually went to my basement and I loaded 357. And I contemplated whether I wanted to keep swinging mm. in this game called life. But, you know, I, I, had, I was raised with a great foundation by my parents. I had, a, had married Trish, and I had a faith that although at those times you wonder, but I know that that was all those things were part of the decision I made to put that gun down and, and, and make a plan to yeah. get out of that black and white world that I was living in. And I did. And <laughs> six days later, a uh, former Chiefs player, actually a couple days later, former Chiefs player, calls me and begging me to, to go speak at a rotary, his Rotary Club. He's in charge of getting speakers once a week. Mm-hmm. And this guy bailed on him for the next day. And I'm like, Dave, man, this is Dave Lindstrom, forward defensive tackle. Well, he's good guy, great big man. And I'm like, Dave, I don't feel good. I didn't tell him I was just in the basement. and But he twisted, twisted, twisted my arm until I finally said, okay, Dave, I'll be there. And I, you know, I, I had been in front of people, you know, kids, drug talks. I was, you know, hey, I was Ward, right? On the Mets, I was Ward mm-hmm. Cleaver, right? Yeah. So, well, you know, tell, I was, tell how you got that. I that. will. If you ask me in here what I get to do with this story. So, <laughs> okay. so I, I says to, uh, I show up, I tell people, you know, give, give somebody my 
you know, 20 minute talk or whatever about my life. I didn't talk. I, or I did. I just talked. I didn't speak. And guys, people were moved. And then the last guy that shook my hand, he stuck out his hand. He had a business card. He said, man, for an old jock, you have a great story and you tell it well. And Corporate Eric will pays people like you to, to, to come out and share, uh, you know, the message like you gave today. And I said, he said, I, I, I book speakers in the corporate events, and I'd love to sit down with you and tell you about this, you know, what, what I think you could do very efficiently. And I said, thanks, but no thanks. You know, I didn't tell him that, you know, um, where I'd been either, you know, six days earlier than when I was at the Rotary yeah. Club. But six months later, I had really, I made a plan. I stuck with it, and I came back. And I called that guy in six months, and I said, Brad, you know, uh, I appreciate what, what you said to me after that luncheon a while back, but I wasn't feeling real good then. And, but, you know, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. There may not be another train coming. And we went to lunch, and he started telling me, you know, oh, I'd book you out for a couple thousand dollars. I'm like, what, really? And for what I did at Rotary, he said, oh, no, you have to do it for an hour. I have an hour. <laughs> what am I going to talk about for an hour? You know, but now, now people say, oh, you only got 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like you guys, how long did you want this to be? And I'm like, oh, geez, we could be here all night. Well, you know, I of the you know of the thirty five, I take 30, 35 pills right now. Average, I've been doing it since ninety two. Sometimes it's forty five to fifty. Sometimes it's twenty five to thirty. But the best pill I can take is the opportunity to make a difference in somebody else's life by planting seeds. Or maybe I'm not the seed planter. Maybe I'm the guy that fertilizes it or waters it. And you know what? That's the best medicine I can take. Because you know when. When I get letters, emails, and stuff back from people that are saying things up to and including, you saved my life. I did not want to go to another meeting, but you were there because of me, and I needed you to be there, and by God, I'm glad you are because I, I was headed to nowhere. So, you know, it's, I have my pity parties. I have my really tough days. Today was a tough day, and I kept looking at that, that, that schedule on my desk here, and it's like... Seven o'clock. Got to do that barbecue interview. Oh. <laughs> You're oh. not alone. A lot of our guests have that, exactly. that reaction. No, but you know what? <laughs> but you know what? Can you tell in my demeanor that do I do I look like a guy who struggled all day? No, no, no. You do not because because I know that there might be one person that listens to your broadcast podcast tonight it may be that when it's broadcast it may be a rerun down the road and if that one person is impacted by the baseball part of this podcast i know that somebody will be yeah there's there's a, a great saying that, that i have lived by for probably the last 10 or 15 years i found it and i don't know who said it originally i always try to give people credit for you know quotes and that sort of thing but it goes like this now you got to think Anyone can count the seeds in one apple, right? You with me? Mm-hmm. Yep. But no one can count the apples in just one seed. Wow. That's so we don't know yeah. tonight. Yeah. Right. No, we don't. You're right. Right. What was that and, question and, you wanted? Well, I'm, I want to go back to that in a second, maybe. Okay. But I know that you do a lot of motivational speaking and you, you won an award for, I think like only 8% of the people that do what you do. Yeah, the designation. Uh, yes, that. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you from 
this talk with you, I could see why. I mean, you are extremely inspirational, and I, I'm feeling it. So, well, I, I thank you. you to know that. See, now yeah. I don't have to wait for somebody like to be touched to make me feel good. Yeah, <laughs> it's already said there that you know, I've already forgotten about today. Yeah, and you yeah, know well, that's that's what life is about. You know, it's about it's not about thinking outside of a box. You know, you you know, you guys have been in corporate America. Mm -hmm. You've heard right. that thing. So we got to sure. think outside the box. I say bullshit. What we got to think outside of is ourselves. That's right. the key. Think outside ourselves. If we do that, you know, I just did that video on Facebook here not too long ago about COVID-19. Right. And I made fun. I was in my hospital gown back there and sitting on my toilet because you know, I don't. I sound better in my my pot, my restroom. <laughs> but I did this talk, and it was kind of funny. You guys, I think, saw it. But it was serious. And really, what it came down to was, we have to think about other people. If you want to get sick and die of this thing, no problem. Make yourself happy. But think about those of us that are high risk patients like me. What about the older generation, our grandparents, our mothers and fathers? We got to think outside of ourselves, and that is the key to almost everything in life. I, I know whether you guys remember a guy named Steve Springer. Yep. Okay, Steve got a cup of coffee, got four hits in the big leagues, mm -hmm. but he's, he was the mental hitting coach for the Toronto Blue Jays for four years. I stepped in, I sat, listened to a podcast the other day, other evening, and you know, here's Steve Springer, played 11 years in the minor leagues, and he's teaching baseball on a podcast to 150 kids tuned in. And you know what I hear him saying? One of his four major keys to hitting was stop thinking about yourself. Dang, he even listened to me talk. But even in, <laughs> hit, even in hitting, this guy believes that's one of the top four things you got to do to be a successful hitter. Stop thinking about the batting average. He says the batting average is one of the, 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 most, one of the worst things ever invented for, for hitters because everybody's thinking about the batting average. Oh, I struck out three times. He said, no, you need to think, think. He said, don't try to get five hits. He says, try to hit through a heart five times. But think about who, what you can do to help the team win. That's the key. And that's what I'm saying about life. Just think. You know, I have a foundation called The Bottom of the Ninth. It started mm -hmm. in 1999 where character counts. And people have been saying for many years now that America, we're on the edge of a cliff. We're on a slippery slope. It hurts says it's the bottom of the ninth. And we need to get back to the character and moral values that this country was founded on. And in order to do that, it's simple. We need to think outside of ourselves. Here, here. You want to make more money as a salesman? My friend Zig Ziglar says you can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. You remember Zig Ziglar? I mean, that's oh, yeah. Almost, he wrote that's almost like St. Paul talking. Yeah, right. And he's right. Right. Now Ed Hearn just says it boils down to four letter, a four letter word, and it's not a bad one. <laughs> so you guys don't have to, you don't have to put the, get the beeper ready. It's L O V E, love. It all boils down to that. Unfortunately, in the American English language, we only have one word. You know, the Greeks have like thirteen or something for different kinds of love. I'm not talking about powder puff, fluffy love, or some mm -hmm. of the love that we're getting. Oh, never mind. From some people in our society today, but love, like thinking about other people, that's what life's about. And you know, and, and you bring it full circle back to the game of baseball. 
back to the game that I played, to the position that I played behind home plate. You can't be out there thinking about yourself and, oh, I'm over three. Right. right. Because you got a guy on the mound that's been babied his whole life from the time he's about seven. And you got to keep this guy grounded. And you got to go out and you got to think about him. And you got to think about the other eight guys on that field first while you get beat up, balls hit you, this, that, and the other thing. And you're tired. But that's what a catcher does. He's a warrior and he gives it up. He's a leader. He's a servant leader. And that's what it's about. Now, you want me to tell you about cooking barbecue? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I was going to say, I was thinking about this. You get traded to Kansas City, right? Now, you live in Kansas City. You love Kansas City barbecue. Think about it. You could have been traded to Texas. You'd be eating brisket. Or you could have been traded to one, you know, well, I guess not. But I'm trying to think no. where else. But it no. had to be Kansas City because no. they had the best barbecue, right? Yeah, I'll come out here. You can go. See, the problem is, I, I figured you guys would ask me, what's the best barbecue place in Kansas City? I mean, I just figured. And, and you know. <laughs> That is such a crazy question because there's there's so many. I mean, I guess if you if you went on a list of best the best barbecue in America, I guarantee you Joe's barbecues could be on top in the top ten in the country. Slaps. You talk mm. about down home, just get down dirty, putting that. Oh man, slaps has got it working. Uh, the place my wife loves, the blind box. Now, do you guys know what a blind box is? I didn't know when I went there. Come on, you guys! Don't tell me you're the barbecue experts. You don't know what a blind box is. Oh yeah, when you turn in, yeah, when you turn in your entry at a competition. I yes, didn't know that course. when I went there. Right. I didn't care because yeah. the barbecue was so dang good. I didn't care what it was, but I found <laughs> out the history. You know, we got Jack Stack out here. It's just crazy good out here. Well, we had on you. You have actually Kansas City is. Go ahead and say it's the best list. barbecue in the country. Go ahead, say it now. Well, we haven't been say there it. yet. <laughs> <laughs> look, look. I will say it for you. But next year, you can always come out here, and you we won't get to, to sit down to watch the football we, game. You have to come watch the game, and I will personally take you around, and we will we'll get ten stops in three days. Wow. We you have you have um of course the uh, the Royal, sure. uh, the American Royal, is. Yeah. Right, the barbecue, the big barbecue competition in Kansas City, right? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, and we spoke to Bob Kendrick, the president of the uh, Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. This was uh, almost two years ago that we spoke to him, and I said to him, "Do you barbecue?" And he said, "When you live in Kansas City, you don't need to barbecue." <laughs> now he said, I'm going to ask don't... you the same thing. He said, "What? You don't need said, to barbecue because there's Kansas so many good City, places. You don't need oh, to because oh, there's well, so that's... many." Why barbecue when you can just oh, I, eat it yeah, anywhere? Yeah, yeah but that so ain't true. You, that ain't true because if thing. you go, if you go, you come out here for a Monday night Chiefs game. Have you all ever seen that on TV? The ring of smoke that is surrounding the stadium from the barbecue going on pregame. Nobody parties and barbecues like a Kansas City Chiefs fan. It is, it is unbelievable. So do you barbecue? No. <laughs> but you, but you, because you don't need to. Because no, you've because got you so know why? Because my wife Trisha can cook like any of these places out here in barbecue in Kansas City. Uh, I, you know what I just had, and I almost took a little picture of it tonight. You know what I had? I had my pregame meal before coming on baseball barbecue. You know what I had? I had ribs and barbecue beans, Miss Trish style. Oh, nice. now, okay, you want to let us in? What is Miss Trish style? How does she? You, you want to give a little secret away? I, or? I cannot do that. I have been married 32 years, and I've been sworn 
the secrecy. I mean, because <laughs> some things you just can't can't give away. All right. Well, when we come to you one day, because it's on our bucket list, that's what we would like to eat. Well, among all the Kansas City barbecue places. <laughs> yep, we're gonna have we're gonna have coleslaw, we'll have barbecue beans, and we will have nice. Miss Chris ribs. Uh, and then and then we'll go to some other place in Kansas City. But you know, I don't I don't need, I don't know why you need to go anywhere else. <laughs> Ed, you've been so generous with time. I want to read you a quote that, and I'd like you to comment on it. It's, it's on the Sable website, and you're going to recognize who said this. You never know what you're truly capable of until situations or circumstances force you to strive beyond what you ever thought possible. When it comes face-to-face -face with your own mortality, often we, we begin to see life in a whole new perspective. We begin to see the value of little things. Money can buy a house, a bed, a companion, and a good time, but it cannot buy a home, a good night's sleep, friends, and memories. You know who said that? No. That was you, 1999. Yeah, probably 95. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I didn't mean to ruin the moment, but you know what? That's, a, that's so true, and you could have stopped after the first line or two, I think. That's what I said earlier. You know, I think when we, when we right about the middle of our conversation, when we talked about some serious things, you know, somebody, you know, there's so many wonderful quotes out there. I, I when I first started speaking, I thought I started collecting quotes because I thought that's what you did as a speaker. But now, I'm like, oh no, you don't do that. You know, you may use one quote in a thing, but in a, in a talk to verify, you know, kind of back up what you're talking about. But but you know, there's so many good ones, and the one one of the many many that I like. It's about the dash on the tombstone. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. there's one date, there's another date. It's not about that. It's about how you live that dash. Wow. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not quoting it, of course, but, you know, it's just, that's, that's the essence of it, is how are you yeah. living that dash? Mm -hmm. And I think in, in the times we're facing today in our culture, I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot of things about themselves. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, I, I always, I kiddingly, but I, I'm serious. I went from penthouse to the outhouse and back. And it's not at the penthouse of your life. It's not at the World Series of your life that you grow. You grow in the outhouse. Because you know what's in the outhouse, right? Yep. <laughs> and I'm telling you, we'll grow anything if you let it. And it'll grow us in the penthouse, in the outhouse of our lives is where that's where we grow you know you look at all the people that win lotteries and and are broke you know all the hollywood people that are just a wreck you know it's the people that have been through stuff been to the outhouse once twice right. three times those are the people that are usually they got they got it they get it mm -hmm. those are two of my words my favorites the people that get it because right. when you get it, not only do you have some wisdom, and some people say compassion is a really great gift, but I say it goes further than compassion because there's a better word, empathy. Empathy is you know how somebody feels because you've been in that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Empathy. Yeah. You can't get empathy from, from, the, from the penthouse. You can't, yeah. you can't grow empathy when you're at the World Series of your life. 
So you know what, folks? We're facing challenges today. And yeah, and it's not, we're going to face challenges for as long as we are on this earth. But, you know, I believe that this is just spring training for what's awaiting us when we, when we leave this, this lifetime. So, you know, I, I don't need to preach anything here, but, you know, this is, this is not going to, it's not going to be a bed of roses here. But you have to just keep stepping up to the plate and you got to keep swinging. Well, you, you know, how many people talk about, it's not striking out. It's the people that strike out that, that get knocked out. But get back up. That's what it's about. In Absolutely. baseball, making it. I was eight and a half years in my life. I should have never made it, but I persevered. I kept getting in there because I didn't want to go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> that paid off for me. I hope I hope that resonates with your folks uh, on this show. You guys, you guys get to touch a lot of lives because you talk about two of my favorite subjects in, every, oh, I love in all it. life. Baseball and barbecue, boy. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. Ed. Wait, I want to I want to ask Ed one more thing. Go ahead. Because you were talking about eight and a half years in the minors. Was there ever a time, there must have been, so this may be a stupid question, but was there ever a time in that eight and a half years where you were ready to just throw in the towel? Yep, stupid question, else? man. Stupid question. Have you ever wanted to quit in life? Everybody, moments. all of us, yeah, get those of points in life, of course. I mean, I, I, you you ask anybody. I mean, there's some guys that maybe made it just who like this. They're God's gift to the world. Uh, sports, Bo Jackson, maybe he never felt like quitting. I don't know. Right. But most of us mere human beings, us mortals, yeah, we get to the point where we want to quit. And Yeah, I can tell you stories. I can tell you two, three, four times. I can tell you about sitting in Lynchburg, Virginia, when I was hitting about a buck seventy in July. My first year in the minor leagues with the Mets after coming over as a free, uh, you know, a released free agent from the Phillies, hitting a buck seventy, and I was sitting in the parking lot of the apartments on one of them yellow cement parking bumpers. I was crying my butt off. I wanted to go home. I was tired. I just couldn't mm. take it anymore. But you know, wow. it turned around. I hit about four fifty the last six weeks of the season, and four years later, I was playing in New York City. Wow. Sure, I wanted to quit. There ain't nothing wrong with wanting to quit. It's but the decision you make. Mm. That's why. That's why I don't tell that story about the basement all the time when I speak. I maybe tell it. Right. Um, maybe twenty, twenty-five, thirty percent of the time, because I know people go there and people, you know, people want to quit on themselves. Maybe not physically, but mentally, they quit on life. Just give up and go do stupid things, drugs, whatever, substitutes. Yes. Just because you feel like quitting or you feel like anything. See, that's problem with our, another problem in our culture. Dang, you got me wound up, man. You had me shut down there. <laughs> I, I asked a stupid question. I so, was ready you know. to go, and you got to ask me a stupid question. Now you're paying the price for it, see? But <laughs> – oh, you guys are funny. But you know what? Oh, man. Y'all just – you know what? We make too many decisions on how we feel in life. And I don't feel like going to work today. Or I don't feel like helping my wife with the dishes. I don't feel. It don't matter what you feel like. You got to get past what you feel like. And I felt like quitting. We all want to. We all feel that way. But by golly, if you've been to the outhouse and you've had to bow your way back, every time you do that, that feeling stuff gets less and less and less important in your life. And you don't get caught up in it. Oh. So it ain't no problem feeling like quitting. 
Everybody's felt like that. Yeah. You just got to get up and keep swinging. Thank you, Ed. Ed, it was just fantastic talking to you. Thank you. The name of the book is Conquering Life's Curves. Get it, uh, I guess, any bookstore, Amazon, whatever. It's a, a must read. Ed, you're very inspirational. Wish you best of luck. We're going to come yes. out to Kansas City. But I know you also, once this, once this COVID goes away and we get back to life to normal, I know you do some traveling around the country, and I know you come to New York once in a while. I'm going to come, uh, come see you. Well, you can we have barbecue here. <laughs> I know, and you got some good spots here. I know that. It's just not Kansas City, but, you know, overall, it's pretty hot out here. But y'all need to get me, get me hooked up with some of these corporations, associations out there, and let me come out there and touch some people. With, with It ain't motivational speaking, I'll tell you. It's not about that. Mm -hmm. You can't motivate. I mean, that thing about motivating people, that ain't right. All you can do is inspire people. Right. Well, you sure inspired us. I know. Yes. No, thanks, this guys. It's been a, a fantastic talk. Well, hopefully I haven't bored you to death. Oh, not even yes. close. <laughs> not even close. Thank you, Ed. Um, All right, man. You guys, I like it medium rare. <laughs> and I yeah. like burnt in. So you guys can handle that combination. Beans and slaw is good with me. Next time, that's what we're oh, going to do. Thank you guys thank have a good you. evening. Keep swinging. Okay. Thank you very much, Ed. We appreciate it. You bet, man. Wow. That's why I just got to say wow. Ed Hearn, thank yeah. you so much for joining us. Yeah. Couldn't thank him enough. Not the first time that I've heard that interview. Obviously, we did the interview. I've listened to it numerous times. And every single time I get something else out of it. And I just think he's, he, he is an inspiration. He really is. One thing that I want to say before I forget is that we opened the show with Anika Orak, who, as you know, wrote the book, uh, the, uh, the Women of Baseball, the whole title, she says in the beginning, she will be on on a future episode. However, if you are interested in, in hearing and even seeing uh, that interview sooner, instead of waiting for us to put it on the podcast, you can go to our Facebook page. That's which right. Is baseball and Barbecue. And while you said that, let's, let's do it. You know, let's also say you can get in touch with us. Call us at 516-855-8214. Email us, baseballandbbq@gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter. Our Twitter address is at Baseball and BBQ. Check us out on our webpage, www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. And we also have an Instagram account, and it's Baseball and Barbecue, where barbecues all spelled out. Wow. There's no way we can't hide from anyone. They have ways of finding us. Absolutely. We're everywhere. Absolutely. So, Len, who do we have up next? Kyle Halverson and Martin Earl from Thermoworks. Enjoy. There are a select few companies whose name evokes thoughts of excellence and superiority. A company whose products are equaled by none and who every other company hopes will be mentioned, that they will be mentioned in the same conversation. We are so glad to welcome two people who contribute to this company's enormous growth and success. Thermoworks is the leading manufacturer of numerous temperature devices. Their award-winning products are incredibly unique and quite different than any other devices available today. Baseball and Barbecue is thrilled to welcome back to the show Kyle Halverson and, appearing for the first time, Martin Earl. Welcome to Baseball and Barbecue, Kyle and Martin. 
Thanks for having us. I'm excited to be here. We'll start with the newbie, okay? Kyle's been on the show before, but we'll start with Martin. Martin, I I was looking at your bio. Quite impressive. So you have a BA in physics, an MA in in, in the history and philosophy of science, and an associate's degree in culinary arts. You were an executive chef at C3 in Bloomington, Indiana. You're an adjunct professor of menu design and nutrition. And now you're the culinary editor at Thermoworks. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I just started learning things and then I liked it and I kept learning more things and learning more things and then eventually got a job. So it was, it, it, it's been a fun roundabout way to get to where I am, but I, I, I'm grateful to have gone on that long path. So basically, you, you eventually ran out of things to study at about 35, and you said, you know what? I've got to do something to pay all these is, loans back. That is so literally true that it's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why should you be different than anyone else, right? That's right. And, yeah. and also, well, you know, I, I, I had always loved cooking all through school. I, I worked in kitchens and in food jobs and things like that. So it just made sense to, to, to go and get that uh, culinary arts degree and and then you know work my way up to being a chef and things like that so you know it makes sense and what is a tell us what a culinary editor does at thermowork so basically i am the one who runs our thermo blog I, I i write the blog and my job is to show people how using thermometers can help them improve their cooking and improve what they eat and uh from a safety standpoint from a uh a tastiness standpoint, for taste standpoint. My job is to, to take the message of our products and, and make it applicable in people's lives. You know, we are an industrial quality company. We make things for industry and, and, and for uh, real professional kitchens. Sometimes those things, it, it's not immediately obvious how the home user can use that kind of thing. So uh, my job is to make it second nature for people to understand how to use temperature to make your food better. And Kyle, for anyone who is not fortunate, was not fortunate enough to hear you on our show, tell us about your role at ThermoWorks, and then, and then we'll discuss the company. Absolutely. So my job, um, its, it's title is Influence Marketing. I, I deal with all external relationships, um, whether that be through the affiliate network or you know companies that we, we do work with in co-marketing. I get to do a lot with uh, relationship development, and it's a lot of fun that way. I also get to sit next to Martin, and we get to discuss food every day, and sometimes cook it. And you get paid yeah. for that. You guys yeah, get paid? Well, I yeah. know, right? <laughs> Hardly seems fair. There's no justice in this world. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, did you want to say something? <laughs> well, I'm telling you, I'm looking over the blog on the, on the website, thermoworks.com. This, this is really great. What a great blog. Uh, you can choose. Well, thank you. Yeah, you can choose any of the categories uh, from different types of foods. But I obviously being baseball and BBQ, I went to barbecue and grilling. And this just looks fantastic. <clears throat> I mean, I'm looking it over right now. Brisket nachos, party time, temp tips. Uh, that's <laughs> right up our alley. That was a really good day at work. As days at work go, that was pretty much top of the ladder. <laughs> I mean, it must, now, have, it must have a fun time working there, creating all these recipes oh, yeah. and, and, and test, testing this out. Every day. You know, Every day we, we love 
Thermoworks, okay? Even if you guys had said, you know, screw you, we're not coming on. We love Thermoworks. We preach constantly. If you want to know if your food is done, use temperature. You cook to temperature. You don't cut into the meat. There should be no mystery as to whether it's done. You use a thermometer. However, some people are still, you know, they're still of the, oh, let's poke the food and see if it's, you know, the same as between my thumb and my index finger. Uh, those are the people that we have to, you know, knock on the head and say, use a thermometer. But you guys, <laughs> there's so, you have so many great products. And uh, interspersed with this interview, with this conversation, we want to we address these products. Some of them, I like to go on your, web, uh, your website often. It's thermoworks.com. And I see that you're coming, you're coming out with some great new things. First thing I see, which is so appropriate right now with the pandemic we're dealing with, you have this wand, non-contact non digital forehead thermometer. Now, let's just say this Miles, is not, not, not barbecue-related, Len. This is not barbecue-related. This is for health-related. Right. <laughs> not barbecue-related, but thermoworks-related. So. Yes. And it's appropriate. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we recognized early on as this thing was starting that there was going to be a big need uh, for this type of thing. And, there, and there's a lot of low-quality alternatives out there, or, and there's a lot of good, good options. But we wanted to make sure that as, a, as an industry leader in temperature monitoring and temperature measurement, that we were able to provide uh, something that was up at ThermalWorks standards. Uh, we believe these are critical pieces of equipment that, are, that will help us you know, kind of monitor and control the pandemic, uh, help people go back to work. That, that's really what we want. I know I said I sit next to Martin, but ever since this whole thing started, we've, we've transitioned as many people home as we can uh, to kind of prevent right. the spread. So the only barbecue I get these days, I have to cook myself. But <laughs> as we do, we, have, we use the wand at the office. If, if for some reason we, we have to go visit, we, have to, we're to, we do go through temperature screening as we come through the door and we, we have masks and we, we implemented social distancing. And everybody that's there that has to be there, like in the warehouse, for example, they, they do all that every day. And it's just one of those measures that we take uh, that we firmly believe will help you know, control the outbreak, but also help keep us operating. And, and a lot of the restaurants and businesses that we serve are doing the same. And, you know, if I can chime in there just real quick, um, it isn't completely not barbecue related because if you have a favorite barbecue restaurant, um, then, you know, we're trying to do everything we can. To, to, to make it a safe environment for them to open up again. You know, with the wand, we're hoping to help get restaurants and companies back on their feet. So, you know, we all like to make some, some pulled pork at home, but sometimes, you know, you just want to go and get some at your favorite restaurant. This is going to help with that, hopefully, you know, by keeping everybody safe and healthy. That is why he has all those degrees, because he brought it back to Boston. That was impressive. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, since we're on the subject of barbecue, could you? I see you have a new product out, the Smoke X2 Long Range BBQ yeah. Alarm Thermometer. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. Kyle, do you mind if I take this for a second? Go for it. Cool. The Smoke X2, so we put the smoke out a few years ago, and it was a raging success, and everybody loved it. And they should. Two channel alarm uh, thermometer, leave him probes, uh, uh, 1.8 degree accuracy, 
it was uh, it was great. It came with a receiver that could you could carry around on your neck or in your pocket and go some distance away. But it didn't have everything that maybe everybody wanted all the time. And so with the Smoke X2 and the X4, so we have two versions, the X2 and the X4. The X2 is a two-channel, the X4 is a four-channel. Not everybody needs the X4, you know, you, you only, you, a lot of us only have room on our barbecue at home for, you know, one butt um, or one brisket, not for two or three of them at the same time. That's fine. So uh, we've got both versions of them. They both connect to our bar, our Billows barbecue control fan. So now you can have an integrated thermal work system that will keep your fan uh, going, keep your barbecue pit at the right temperature the way you want it to be uh, without you having to poke it all the time as much. And we incorporated a long-range transmission unit inside of it. It's a long-range transmission. What we really want to be able to do, though, is for you to be able to take that receiver anywhere in your house. If you're barbecuing at home, anywhere in your house, whether it's up in your bedroom or down in the basement or all the way across the house or something like that, uh, as long as you're not in like a mega mansion with lots of lead walls or something like that, Lex Luthor probably you can't use it. But uh, for, for normal people, the idea is to be able to get that penetration into your house, you get that signal anywhere. And it's the same accuracy, still 1.8 degrees accuracy. There's still a whole bunch of probes you can choose from uh, to go with it. And it's really, a, in my mind, it's the best barbecue thermometer you can get for home use, uh, especially. Uh, it has all the bells and whistles, and I've thoroughly enjoyed using it. It's a blast to use. I, I got to tell you, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, but you guys really annoy me because I love, <laughs> I, <laughs> I love the smoke. And, you know, I like to be, okay, I don't have to have the latest in technology, but it's kind of like when you get a product and then they have to come out with a new version. So I have the yeah. smoke, you had to come out with the X2 and the X4, and I'm like, oh, great, here we go. I got to upgrade. <laughs> and it's worth it, too. I'm sure it's worth it. Incred the smoke is incredible, so I could just imagine how great the X2 and the X4 are. Yeah, it's everything the smoke is plus a little bit more. You know, it's it's really great. Yeah, the the Smoke X is that series. It's really designed to be able to add the billows. Uh, that's a major upgrade from the smoke, which wasn't even a thought back in 2016. We're talking three years ago, four years ago, uh, almost was that initial smoke launch. Uh, and since then, we've come out with that Billows fan and, and a lot of requests. Unfortunately, we can't make it backwards compatible, but the only, th the only thing we can do is, <laughs> is make a new model with that design in it and then also pump up that, that transmission range. Well, tell us about the Billows. You mentioned the Billows. Go for it, yeah. Martin talked a little bit uh, about that Billows. It's a, it's a fan unit. So you, it's, it has a little scissor spring on there, and it just snaps right into your grill. And then you can hook it up to the signals or the smoked X2 or the X4, set your temperature and let the fan do the work. Um, that's great for us at the office, especially because we can come in in the morning, get it running, and then I can actually do some work during the day instead of tending the fire all day long, which I like doing that too, but I got to get some stuff done. <laughs> yeah. It is fun. The fire's fun. We, we yeah. like fire, but yes. Not especially not going out at three or four in the morning and finding out, you know, your briskets on there and finding out that who knows how long 
you know, because you slept through the alarm going off or whatever, that your grill is now, you know, at 125 or whatever. And wondering if that's safe to eat. Right. Exactly. Now, smoke has the alarm on it, but you can go into a deep sleep and, you know, dream that there's an alarm and not wake up. So (laughs) the billows is good. Very good. Okay, tell us about the IRK2 meter and probe kit. That looked extremely interesting. Oh, that one is super fun. I love the IRK2. I mean, I love all these things, but that's what it is. One of my so the IRK2 is a high-precision infrared uh, gun. It's good up to, Kyle, correct me, it's good up to about 1050 degrees, 1050. Is that about where that caps out? You're thinking of the IR gun S. The IRK2 should be closer to 1,500 degrees. Okay, that's right. So I've got the the really high temperature read. You can uh, take the temperature of coals. Um, You can take the temp of of your smoker by pointing at the grates or rather at a a, a pan or something on the grates. Great for grilling. Honestly, it's good for lots of things around the house too. Uh, uh, People use it for HVAC repair. For, for furnaces and, and, and coolers. I mean, it's really useful and fun. But it also has on it the uh, uh, an input for a Type K uh, thermocouple probe. So you can actually have like a leave-in probe with that you can stick things with that's accurate to 0.7 degrees and also point to things. So you get a physical like contact probe that you can stick in meat and things like that. And you can have the infrared probe for non-contact measurements. Um, and it is so fun. Um, it, I, everybody who gets their hands on one just walks around tempting everything for like a week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need Does, to apologize. I, I misspoke. I was thinking of a different model. It's, it is 1022 is Fahrenheit. Okay. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Does, so does it's a range it make, up, to, up to a thousand degrees. Does it make us geeks, and I'm proud to be one if it does, that we love this stuff because I love, I love this stuff. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, if it does, then count me in there too. Honestly. So, 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 you know, to me, one of the fun things about working with thermal work is that a lot of our customers, a lot of our clientele and the people who love us are, I mean, we geek out about things, right? Like we geek out about the specs, about what it can do and about how neat that is and finding new ways to use these things. I, when one of my friends, one of my close friends found out that I was coming to work at ThermalWorks, he took a look at the page and he got very envious of, of me because he <laughs> suddenly started putting together lists of projects he wanted to do with thermocouple thermometers and things like that. And it is really neat because we have, well, and you know, we have the technical knowledge at the company to be able to back all this stuff up too. We're not just like, you know, buying things off the shelf. Uh, and then, like, slapping our name on them and stuff like that. Like, we have a calibration lab. We have scientists who work there. And, and it is really fun. It is really geeky. And I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. Thank you to Kyle and Martin. And we will have them part two of that interview next episode. And you know what, Jeff? I'm glad, actually. We don't usually like to split up interviews. But the good thing is they were so entertaining and so informative and ThermoWorks is such a fantastic company that having them on another episode is just going to be terrific. So I think if you've enjoyed the interview so far, wait till episode 63 and we'll conclude it there. One other thing, Jeff, that I want to say is 
congratulations to Gary Mack, Gary Mack <laughs> of Mets Musings, who had episode number 400 just recently. He, he released episode 400. And we were on, and it was an honor. And of course, as I was about to congratulate Gary Mack, it looks like you were about to say something. And of course, I cut you off. So I apologize. Is there something that you wanted to say? Well, you said uh, in conclusion, so I was going to say, with that, <laughs> we will see you next time on Baseball and BBQ. And enjoy our outgoing music. Baseball always brings you home. See you next time. Goodbye.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.